Romans 4, 13 through 25. Clearly, God's promise is to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because uh, Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds, may they be truly and utterly faithful to your word, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. And we pray today that you would increase our faith, that you would transform our lives, and that you would help us to love others the way you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I think we're going to have a little fun in church this morning. How many of y'all know you can have fun in church? Did you, did you realize that you can have fun in church? Uh, we're we're going to do a little poll, okay? So we're going to say, how many, how many promises are there in the Bible that God has given us in the Bible? So we're going to go through and say, one to a hundred. Everybody who thinks there's less than a hundred promises, uh, raise your hand. Okay? Uh, 100 to 500. 500 to 100. How many people think there's 500 to 100? Okay, how many people think 1,000 to 500? Okay, uh, how, how many people think 
5,000 to 1,000. How, how many think 5,000 to 1,000? Right, how many people think 10,000 to 5,000? Has everybody voted? <laughs> so how many people, there's, there's more than 10,000 promises in the Bible. How many people are too scared to raise your hand in church because you might think that you love Jesus too much? How many, there's a lot of those uh, in, in here. Uh, Y'all are good Methodists. Well, these days, good Methodists. The early Methodists were crazy people. Uh, and uh, that's why they got the name Methodist. Uh, actually, there's over 7,000 promises that God gives God's people in the Bible. Isn't that amazing to think? I did not go and read all of those promises. Sioni did, uh, and he gave me the synopsis of all of those promises. With it. But I did read quite a lot of those promises. And what was that? It's many promises, and it, you know, and, and, and the you know, we we need you know when we sing "Standing on the Promises," man, we're standing on a lot of stuff that God has promised God's people. But but uh, and, you know, last week we we had a a big promise that Jesus told uh, his disciples as he was going up uh, to heaven after his resurrections. He said, "I will be with you always, even to the end." Of the earth, even to the ends of the age, even to the ends of time, I'm going to be with you. And and, and all those seven thousand promises. How can we trust that God will do what God promises to do? I, I mean, that we, we ought to be able to know. Can we trust God to keep? God's promises. Uh, and the question of trust and God's promise is what Paul is talking about here in the book of Romans. He's been going through a long discourse. Uh, uh, we've kind of hit that argument in the middle that Paul has given us there. He, he, he's already talked about a lot of things, and he's going to talk about a whole lot more. Uh, but uh, it, it, people wanted to know what is going to happen to God's people, those who followed God's law, those that uh, had, had always lived their life faithfully by following the law of Moses. And should we have to follow the law of Moses to be considered God's people? And so this debate was going on, and Paul has been dealing with that throughout all of his ministry. There's a diverse group of people. These new people had come into the church, and, and, and uh, Paul is, is trying to help the church see, you know, God promised... Abraham that he was going to have as many descendants of the sands of the sea as the stars in the sky. Uh, he pro that's a lot of that, that's a lot of descendants, isn't it? And he was a hundred years old when God promised him to do that. How many of y'all would be willing to have as many descendants as sands in the sea if you were a hundred years old? How many of y'all would want to get pregnant at ninety-nine years old? How many of you are still too scared to raise your hand in the church uh, with that? But uh, he promised Abraham, and, and how he said, the, "You are going to be my people, Abraham. You're going to have people that are going to be part of my family." A and we need to know how do we become part of God's family? That's important, isn't it? We we want to know how are we going to be part of this thing that God has for the world. That God so loved the world that he sent Jesus into the world uh, that whosoever would believe in him will not perish 
but have eternal life. How do we become part of that? And there were people who, who were saying, you've got to follow every single laws, all 663 laws are, uh, that are in the Bible, a lot of thou shalts and a lot of thou shalt nots uh, that are in there. You've got to follow every single one of those to be considered part of God's family. How many of you could follow all of those uh, commandments 100%? Uh, how many of y'all could follow 10 commandments? How many of you are still too scared to raise your hand <laughs> in the church? Uh, none of us, none of us can follow any of those commandments that are in the Bible without the, the, the power of of the Holy Spirit. All of us are sinners. Uh, if you go back, because you've all got your Bibles open, to uh, chapter 3, verse 23, it says this, For everyone has sin. And you remember, sin is missing the mark. It's like if you look at the bullseye on a, a, a dartboard, uh, the very center of that is loving like God on that billboard. How many of us fall short of loving like God every single day? How many of us fall short of loving our neighbor like God loves us every day? How many of us are missing the, bulls, the, the whole dartboard every single day? And we're hitting, putting holes in our wall, and the trustees are real upset about that because there's holes in the wall. Nobody laughed at that joke. Um, and it says, uh, For all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved, undeserved, underline that, kindness declares that we are righteous. We are put in a right relationship with God. We are part of God's family. Uh, we're put right. He did this how? Through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in the past, for he was looking ahead, including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners, those who fall short of his love, to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So how do we become part of this family of God? How? By faith. It is a grace that comes in and gives us a faith to believe that Jesus Christ loved us so much, even though we can't live up to those, uh, all those laws and commands that are in the Bible, even though we miss that mark, even though that we don't love people the way that God loves, even though we don't love our neighbor the way that God loves us, even though we fail time and time again, the good news is that's not how we become part of God's family. It's not how we get kicked out of God's family because you can't be kicked out of God's family. The only way that you cannot be part of God's family is by not believing that Jesus Christ died for you and rose from the dead and that all of your sins are forgiven through him. You don't get to heaven by following this law, that law, that way. Uh, you don't get to be part of God's family because you do a better job at 
throwing those darts at, at God's. You, you don't get to be part of God's family uh, because God loves you any better than anybody else. God loves us all. Why we were yet sinners, that proves God's love for us. Isn't that amazing? You are a bunch of dirty, despicable sinners. And guess what? I am too. I fall short of that bullseye every single day. Just like you fall short of that every single day. And the good news is we're still part of God's family. It's all a free gift. It's a free gift. Verse 16, uh, you might want to underline that. It's given as a free gift. It's like what you get when you apply for a credit card. But it's a whole lot better than a little tote bag or a free trip to Hawaii or whatever you get to sign up. The way that we become part of God's family is believing in Jesus Christ by having that faith. And it's not whether or not we do X, Y, Z. And if you remember what Sione read there in the Gospel of Matthew, when he called Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him, did he point out Matthew? Did he say to Matthew, Matthew, you are a dirty, rotten, despicable sinner. Come follow me. Did he say that? No, he said, come follow me. Who was it that was pointing out the fact that Matthew was a dirty, rotten sinner? All them religious folks. Why, Jesus, would you eat with such scum? And what does Jesus say? Because we're all scum except me, and I came to save them, all of them, whoever they are. Whether or not their sin is X, Y, Z, whether or not they sin a little differently than your X, Y, Z, whether or not your Z is worse than their Y and your X is even, oh my goodness, uh, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, to eat with the scum of the earth, and thanks be to God, that's the good news because that's who we are. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we can trust that when we believe in the power of the cross, those sins are gone. Why are we holding other people's sins against them? Why are we pointing out other people's sins when we really ought to be looking at our own, saying, God, help me to improve my game? Because when we come and eat at the Lord's table, that grace doesn't just make us right with him. It doesn't just make us forgiven. It begins to transform our hearts. It begins to transform our lives. It begins to transform who we are to begin to look and love just like Jesus. And we start to do a little bit better job hitting that bullseye uh, with the sometimes the Holy Spirit's really got to lift up those darts. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's got to say, all right, you, you're, you're using too much arm. Just with your elbow just little and if you don't listen to that Holy Spirit guess what we might just stop hearing God's voice God
God wants to change your life to look as glorious and beautiful and as loving and as caring as Jesus is. And the only way that we can do that is to love like Jesus. And the only way that we can love like Jesus is if the Holy Spirit is helping us, healing us, making us whole, able to love like Jesus. And can I trust that if I have faith in Jesus, I'm saved? You bet your bottom dollar. Because God's promises never end. If you read the Bible from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, if you read it and you read it, the one thing that is constant throughout the whole Bible is God's faithfulness and humanity's unfaithfulness. And God's always trying to bring them back into relationship with him. God's promises are always there. Can you trust them? Yes. Now start to allow God's spirit to transform your life to look like Jesus. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much that our relationship with you doesn't depend on how good or how bad we are. It depends on your unfailing love for each and every one of us. We thank you that you are always faithful even when we fail. You are always loving even when we are not. You're always running out and seeking after us, even when we're trying to run in the opposite direction. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. And if there's people here this morning who haven't believed that they're your children, increase their faith today so they can accept that free gift of your love, your forgiveness and your resurrection power. Help us to receive that today and every second of our life from that moment on until, until we look just like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.